Ever been to Delaware? If not, now's the time to visit. You'll find a lot of fun in a little state. Since you can drive anywhere in the state in a couple of hours, you'll spend less time driving and more time enjoying. Explore from the bays to the beaches, stroll the boardwalks, and have an oceanside bonfire. Get a taste of Delaware at one of the award-winning restaurants and enjoy a local craft brew. See the first state's unique historic landmarks and experience Delaware's endless discoveries. Plan your adventure today at visitdelaware.com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the LPN Show. Recorded both in Los Angeles and New York City. We're just, you know, here to hang out. Have a good time. All right. I'll talk to y'all after a while. You are, you, um, it's so funny that you're out there because I, and I, I mean this, you hold the, the crown alone, you and you alone, but I have never run into someone on the street in New York City, by the way, New York City, Brooklyn. I mean, this is millions and millions and millions of people, but I have run into you on the street or something similar to that, like maybe 10 times because in the I'm, last few years. It's because I'm huge. You can't miss me. <laughs> no, dude, it, it's insane. Like I, I saw you on the street not that long ago before you left. Yeah. I saw you one time, you know, on, on the street, in another part of Brooklyn down on 3rd Avenue. I saw you on the street one day uh, just you, I was well, when I was campaigning. Anyway, hey, we'll start the show too. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Welcome to the LPN <laughs> I thought we show. Started. I'm Ben Kissel, hanging out with Sal Volcano from the Impractical Jokers. You know him, you love him. He's also hanging out with Chrissy D all the time on History Hyenas, and he's just the man. So, Sal, thanks so much for being here. But yeah, man, we used to bump into each other constantly in Brooklyn, and that's the one thing I love so much about it. I was telling my buddy out here, it's like Manhattan is six miles long. Brooklyn is like it's it's a shoebox compared to L.A. And so yeah. you just bump into people all the time. And it's freaking it's one of the things I miss the most about this quarantine. You, you 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 hold that record, though. Yeah. You even even there were times when even when I'm that those ones I mentioned were just me walking and you walk and I'm like, Ben. But there's been like multiple times where I was filming and you come into like the <laughs> deli. It's just like you guys, I see you all the time. And the, we work the, together. Rambling, the ramblings of a drunk man in need of water or rock star energy <laughs> drink or more Bud Light. That tends to be yeah. why we ran into each other. But yeah, you mentioned we did work together, man. You guys were so sweet to me and Practical Jokers, by the way. I'm sure all of you know this show. Uh, Sal and the gang, they are some of the nicest dudes in the entire entertainment industry. It is authentic. <laughs> they are legit. They are friends, and they are great people. Just in case anyone was wondering, what are they really like? It's not an Ellen situation. They are who they say they are. Sweet dudes who just make people laugh, and thank God for you, because we need it more than ever. But yeah, man, we ran into each other. We bumped into each other in Brooklyn constantly. And just another little insight into Sal, how sweet he is. My little brother, 
and little. He's 28 and six foot four, but uh, he's little to me. Um, he did not believe I was even in show business until Sal was kind enough to make a video for him, being like, "Hey, Michael, how are you, Sal? Hanging out with Ben?" He didn't. He, my my little brother was like, "Oh my God, you know Sal?" And I'm like, "What am I, chopped liver? Like what? What's going on? I nothing. I mean nothing to you, and I'm the one who finances your life." <laughs> well, we've known each other actually pretty long. We've known each other, I want to say like maybe like 2008-ish. Yeah. Or because um, you, you've known me since before I was even like fully into com in comedy and I, I owned a bar and you were doing stand-up and you'd come make the trek to Staten Island yep. and you'd do shows at, at my bar and we met way back then. And then um, once Dude, I what got was the, the show- what was the name of that bar again? The, well, the, the well, there was two. One was the cargo, yeah, and then one was the full cup. And, and I think you came to both, but yeah, yeah, you'd come all the time. And then a lot of that times, when, sta- honestly, Staten Island between Wu Tang and Impractical Jokers, I don't know what's in the water, but it is just breeding like incredible, awesome, freaking talented people. Thanks, man. I'll take that. And it that. gets shit on all the time. Everyone's always dumping on Staten Island. It's like. If you look at the per capita amount of successful people that come out of there, <laughs> it's doing a hell of a lot better than Manhattan. Yeah, we got a, we got a, a good amount of people if you look into it. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I, anytime I could be mentioned in the same breath as Wu Tang. Yeah. So yeah, man, I used to go out to the bars that you so, were working at. So well, what you, would happen is you yeah. guys would come over, and then when when comics come over and take the trip. You might as well just hang out. Like I tried to just, you know, I would give you guys dinner and give you drinks. And then you guys would like a lot of times just stay and like oh, drink yeah. and close it out with me. So that was awesome. I can't tell you how many times I fell asleep on the Staten Island Ferry because they had these, they had big Fosters. They had like the 98 ounce Foster Oh, hell drinks, yeah, they do. Big old double boys of Bud Light. And I Doyle swear cans. to God, I swear to God, I did that trip like there and back and there and back like four times one night just to get absolutely hammered, stare at the Statue of Liberty, one teardrop coming from my left eye as I think about America, just getting hammered for free on, on a free cruise, getting hammered on a free cruise to Staten Island and back to Manhattan. You're a smart man. You're touching on a, a, like, a, like a hack, like a New York City hack that not too many people think of or know about, like where you, the ferry's free, it runs 24 hours a day, they serve beer. Yes, like they do. You just get on it, buy a beer, sit outside, pass right in front of the Statue of Liberty, <laughs> get just get off, you turn, get back on, buy a beer, come back free. And the you know, and the cans of beer are like three bucks. It's like oh dude, it's on so- a summer night, it's unbelievable. You could just you could that could be the the hang like people don't know that. So that's it's a total hack. And if you are visiting Manhattan, whenever the hell that's allowed again, do not do the Statue of Liberty tour. Get on the ferry. You got a perfect view. You don't have to wait in line. I promise you there's nothing inside of the Statue of Liberty. It's a staircase. (laughs) If you've ever been five stories high, you know what what the view is. Just look at it from the Staten Island Ferry. And it's also a great way to have a romantic date. And no one has to spend a freaking dime other than the 20 bucks to get you hammered on BLs. Absolutely, 100%. I have friends that have gotten married on it. No kidding. Yeah, multiple. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, speaking of friends, man, uh, you, Joe, James, Quinn, uh, you guys have been together for so long and you guys have been doing sketch for so long. Just can you tell our audience a little bit when it comes to Impractical Jokers? I don't want to go through the origin and all that. We get that question all the time. You guys were friends and you guys made each other laugh and so on and so forth. (laughs) Sure, sure. But how was that when the reaction was so freaking dope? Because I have never seen... I, I just feel like now as everyone 
is sort of living. Everyone needs proxy friend groups because everyone is a little bit lonely, a little isolated. And they look for people like you guys to live vicariously through, to remember what it's like to just have friends that you guys do goofy shit together and a lot of people's lives lead them down a different path where you can no longer go prank your friends in the middle of Midtown because they have jobs and they can't do that in families. How was that reaction when you realized for the first time that you guys are going to be able to make a living being friends and pulling each other's chains and just being a bunch of wonderful jackasses? It's like a feeling that I can't really put into words accurately. You know, like, I don't know. I mean, I didn't even think I'd ever be able to afford a home. I didn't think I'd ever have health care. I, I knew I would work hard at whatever I did. But like, you know, you don't, I don't know. You don't know what, to what level of success you're going to be, no matter what field you go down. So yeah, for it to be successful and then it to be this, I feel like I cheated somebody, you know, like, that's what I feel. I mean, and I had, and I got to go through it with like legitimately some of my best, like my best friends. So um yeah, I don't know. I mean, we still we still don't really we still take inventory all the time. We still right. look at each other and we're like, what the what's going on here? How do you guys cuz yeah. you know with Marcus Henry and I obviously, you know, we have we're we're very close friends. Um and we love each other and we do the human centipede every night to go to bed. <laughs> um, but you do have to you do have to make sure to um like make sure that the that the friendship has nutrition. You have to make sure that the yeah. friendship always maintains. And then, you, of course, you have all the business stuff and yep. then you have all the shows and stuff. What kind of techniques would you say are important to keeping the friendship here? Because believe it or not, the entertainment industry, it has some questionable people circulating. And oftentimes <laughs> those people might not have the best interest of your friends, sure. or even yourself in mind. How do you keep nurturing those relationships? Because I, I can imagine egos are real. Money is, once it starts coming in, and fame. And Sal is probably probably the most famous person I know. You forget because he is so personable and he's on all the shows. And it's just Sal walking down the street with you. You are a, you are a rock star. Everybody yeah. knows you because you are on everybody's <laughs> TV across every home in this great country and dare I say world of ours. So how do you keep on making sure that your friendships are going in the right direction? Sure. Well, first let me apologize to everyone for how often they play the stuff that I'm on. Cause I'm sick of me too. But um... <laughs> I mean, honestly, dude, at some point TBS was just like, just do impractical joker. Non-stop. Um, and you have the game show you have. Oh yeah. my goodness. It's, it's awesome. Thanks, man. Thank you. Um, you know what it is? I think uh, it, it was it was to our benefit that we um, we finally scored. We were trying this since '99, so it was yeah. to our benefit that we finally got some. When we got a little bit of an opportunity, a little little we were put in front of her. We were already mid thirties, you know, yeah. mid to late thirties, and I think that was helpful in really? that we were kind of like um, a little bit sure of maybe who we were. I mean, we're always, but you know, like it was. We were like, I kind of like lived a bit of a life already. I had yeah. multiple careers. You know, I've had my ups and downs. I've been through a lot of relationships. I just kind of was a little bit more mature. Yeah. And then, so there was that whole thing. And then the fact that we, it happened to us together, it, it was, it's really uh, beneficial to have someone that could know exactly what you're going through. Yeah. Whereas like I could tell my friends and family what I was going through when I was going through it, but they were living it with me. And it doesn't even take words to understand 
whatever it was, the, yeah. the, 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 the excitement, the fear, the, any, any, any of the nuance of, of the experience was happening to all of us. So yeah. it helped that we were on our mid to late thirties. It helped that, you know, we had each other to bounce off of, keep each other honest and, um, and not take anything for granted. Can you talk a little bit about the fear? Because this is something that I don't think a lot of people realize until you're in this industry and until you're in a position where, oh my goodness, more people are paying attention to me. I remember when last podcast, it seems so laughable, but I remember when we were in the top 10 on Apple on the iTunes app and I was like, oh my God, everyone's going to start coming for me. And then of course you realize no one gives a flying fuck, which is the (laughs) ultimate, which is the ultimate realization that nobody actually cares about you and no one really cares about anything that you're doing. So take that with both a grain of salt, take that like, oh, that kind of sucks. But also it's awesome because it's a very, it's a good stress reliever to know, oh, people are living their lives. They're not focused on me. I'm focused on me and I'm going crazy. Can you talk about how strange or scary that is when you start to see yourself on television when you start to become more noticed when you're just when you're just a regular guy who's had a normal life and then all of a sudden people have projected these images uh that uh, of you onto you they project how they would like to see you act in public if you ever you know interact with them that is scary how did you deal with that you're i'm getting anxiety listening to you describe it to me <laughs> It is scary. All right, we're um, going to take a quick Zoloft break. <laughs> no, um, maybe it's, whiskey. It's, yeah, oh, that's a great idea. I wish I had my, <laughs> brought my bottle. Um, it's so scary, dude. I, I don't know, like, especially like, uh, you know, for someone who's kind of private, kind of shy, you know, on stage, it's one thing. Right. But, and performing, it's one thing. But, you know, it's just like, wow. And in the, and, and in the age of online and social media, it's like, and then the age of people being able to be malicious to you and things like that, Ugh. you just feel super vulnerable. Yeah. Luckily for us, the wave that came initially and still the predominant wave is one of support and love from the yeah. people. So conversely, not only was I fearing that, I wasn't expecting this avid like loyalism right. like from the people either. So that really helped you through it because it's like, oh, okay, well, actually the good is way out, way out, knock on wood, way out weighing the bad. Yeah. And, you know, and just like anything else, like even, you know, like you'll be on stage, right? Telling the joke and there's the one person not laughing. And, we, you know, that's a trope that we all talk about. Of how you course. just focus on what the hell's wrong with this woman or this guy or exactly. whatever. Exactly. Right? So it's like kind of that you'll see the one comment and, and there's a hundred comments like this is the best thing ever. And then one is this fat idiot who doesn't know how to grow a beard or whatever. And it's just like, well, yeah. why did they say that to me? What and then I just want to, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, it, it's, it's scary. It's weird. But um, I think the whole point is don't just, I don't know. I don't believe, don't believe your own hype. Yeah, I, it's course. just like, who the hell am I? I'm nobody. You know what I mean? I'm just nobody. I'm happy that I get to, that I got someone to shine a light on me. And then enough people looked at, then they appreciate what I do. But before the light was shined on me, I was the same exact guy doing the same exact thing. And when this light goes away, I'll be the same exact guy doing the same exact thing. And there's a billion other people that just didn't get the chance I got that are deserving of it. Uh, you know, and you know how comedy works. It's, of course. It's, it's, it's not a, it's not a, you know, a merit-based system. It's, it's luck c- combined with opportunity. And so, you know, there's such a lot a of, a people- lot of, um, a lot of uh, legacy, 
a lot of familiar ties within the industry that can help out a lot of sure. folks. And yeah. so many times there's the most brilliant comedians you've never even heard of that deserve, Absolutely. but it's just not necessarily how it works. I'm well aware of that. And so my thing is don't fail myself and don't fail the people that put there. So it's like, I, no matter what, I'm going to keep working to get as good as I can so that I can honor the opportunity I got. You know what I mean? People will think I suck and, you know, and people will think I'm great and everything in between. So well, just try not to get in my own head, not to get in my own way and just treat everything as what it really is, which is I have, I just got lucky and, and thank you. I want to yeah, talk yeah. about more fun stuff here in a second, specifically your testicles of pure and utter steel. I don't know mm -hmm. how the hell you do some of the shit that you do. And you, for some reason, between Murr and Q and Joe, like for some reason, you are mostly in the position where it's like, let's put him in front of the most amount of people possible. And um, let, has, she, has he showed his butthole on this episode yet? Because let's make him do that. Like, it's like, for some reason, it's like Sal is always doing the shit that makes me so freaking scared. But uh, before we get to some of those stories, um, when it comes to love and accepting love, I have had a really hard time with that because like you were saying, there are so many people who snipe, right? And there's so many folks who want to have your position, regardless of the regardless of the fact that they have no clue how much work goes into your position, how stressful it is, oh, this, that, and the other thing, whatever. Again, hashtag grateful, hashtag blessed. You all know the story. <laughs> Nonetheless, when it comes to accepting love from fans or from just people, I'm trying to do that in my own life because for the longest time I have said I don't accept it. I don't even I don't receive it because I know that can turn into hate. One one thing later, next thing you know, that person who was the biggest fan all of a sudden hates you or whatever. It was kind of a cynical way to look look at it. So mm. I'm trying to be like so like you were saying, you look at the one negative comment and I'm actively and it's so hard because this is why we're comedians and performers and entertainers and bloviators because you know we kind of <laughs> we're sensitive in our own way and you focus sure. on that one negative thing i'm trying to be like hey when someone says i love you i love your work thank you i'm trying to like absorb it and be like okay thank you accept that as like a reality my buddy was telling me he's like ben you know you make people happy right i was like i don't know i'm just <laughs> not sure and he's like you really do and i'm trying to accept that and see that as a positive thing. But have you taken any steps in your life? Maybe just this is this is Ben Kissel asking Sal for advice. Okay. Uh, have you taken have you been able to take in any of the affection, any of the love from these people and actually have it have it make you feel good? Yes, absolutely. Um, I am someone who kind of wears my heart on my sleeve anyway. Yeah. And then those people get got familiar with me to be that type of person. It's how I am already with my friends, with myself. So um, I, I uh, take people's things that they say to heart, you know? So yeah. like, so when people say that to me, like I'm shy and embarrassed, especially when it first started happening and, you know, thank you very much. And you don't really know how much to receive or how much to, you want to, you know, you're humbled by it. Well, and, there's nothing, uh, but, there's yeah. nothing worse than being like, Hey, like your show be like, do you want a picture? And they're like, no, I'm like, Oh, what? I, I, <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm doing what I thought you wanted me to do. Did you know that Delaware has endless discoveries? The first state invites you to explore miles of beaches and boardwalks, dozens of unique breweries, award-winning restaurants, some of the country's best state parks, beautiful garden estates, and even tax-free shopping. There's plenty of fun for the entire family and more. Find trip ideas and all the info you need to plan your Delaware discoveries at visitdelaware.com. 
Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah. There's a one time I was in a hot tub with Joe in Florida right before a gig at our hotel. Oh, my. Tell me more. <laughs> An older woman, like like actually old, like a senior. She might have been like 70 or 75 or whatever. Yeah. Maybe, even, maybe even 75, 80. She had white hair. And she came and she sat in the hot tub. And uh, we and Joe were talking. And then she goes, excuse me, would you mind taking a photo? And I was like, oh, no, of course not. You know, of course not. And then she handed me her camera and posed. And she... <laughs> She just wanted me to take a photo of her, you know. And like, now you're the asshole. And now <laughs> yeah, she's like, yeah, these yeah. egomaniacs, they always think everyone wants a photo with them. It's like 95% of the time, that's the case. Right, right, exactly. So it's like, uh, but no, you know, I, I just try to be present. Like if someone's telling, because, you know, I, I I'm still am. I've been on that other end so many times, like getting into this business and meeting people that I idolize and admire. Yeah. Some of the people I idolize for years, I'm literally friends with now. I don't know how often that happens in someone's life, but it's not normal. I don't take it for granted, but I'm still a fan of those people, even though I've become friends with them. And yeah. some of them I've never, some of them I've professed to, and some of them I've never mentioned it to. And that's yeah. not just comics. It's, you know, I just pick and choose who I'll give that information to. But I, I still, I'm such a fan of music and comedy. Like I'll still like, I know better because I know, my own experience. So I never want to bother anyone, yeah. but once in a blue moon, I still can't help it. And I, it shouldn't be about me and I don't want to bother this person, but I get it. And once in a blue moon, I'll still say, excuse me. I just want to let you know whether they know who I am or not. Absolutely. And it's dangerous though, because I've had, I've had the spectrum of reaction. I've had the, you know, the person they say, never meet your heroes. The, the, the person was very gracious. And I've had the person that, you know, you felt like you might've bothered them. Then I had the people that were outright cold and you're like, I wish I didn't even say anything. So I, right. I remember that. And I always just say like, you know, if they're coming to tell me something like that. It means something to them and it should mean something to me. And, and even if it means something to me, I should convey to them how much it means to me. So right. I just try to look them in the eye and make sure I'm listening to them. So they, don't, there's nothing worse than like someone talking to me and you know you're looking around absolutely like, I, you know, so I give them my attention and then I say to them right in their face thank you so much that means so much to me and it really does and yeah I make them feel that and I I, I and 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 I go away from it feeling good about it like they yeah. were making me feel good I want to make them feel good back absolutely and even when I'm having like a tough day I just try to like because people might not realize sometimes that like like it, on a, let's say on a particularly crazy day like that yeah if that happens to me if i happen to be on the street or i in my travels sometimes people you know they, they'll never see me again and so they want to tell me what they have to tell me yes but sometimes that could happen you know like 20 30 40 you and know, you're at the airport and you're like i to have get, to catch my flight trying to get through the day but you don't want to and then if you let it happen especially that could be what's happening all day long so you have to just learn how to navigate it and learn how to have it be a part of anything but not halt everything you know and when i, I you, just kind of when did you realize your life was different when did you realize, oh, okay, so when I do go to, uh, when I go to CVS, when I go to Walgreens, when I go to Dwayne Reed, 
there is a good chance at this point that someone's going to stop me. When did you realize that uh, this was going to become your new normal? And how was that transition period? Because it is a little bit jarring. And as soon as, I mean, if you're like me, as soon as someone says your name, you assume you're just in trouble. And you're <laughs> like, what? No, what did I do now? How was that? Like, what was that first few, I guess, months or years or weeks? How was that experience when you realized, oh, shit, I think this show is doing all right? So it happened r right away in such that, like, I think the show was out two weeks, maybe two, ma max three episodes had aired. Okay. And I was on the West Coast in San Francisco visiting family, and I brought my dad with me. And I was visiting. I have relatives out in the Bay Area and San Jose and stuff. Nice. And we were down, yeah. down, we were walking in San Francisco down by the wharf, actually. And, um, and the show had aired three episodes and I'm walking and my family's walking. There's like five, six of us got a baby couch with us. And I'm talking to my family and I heard someone go, Sal. And I, I was like, what? Like the show had been on two episodes and I turned, I'm like, yes. And I'm like, oh my God, it is you. And it was three younger people. And they were like, we love your show. And I was like, thank you. You recognize me? And they go, no, we didn't even see you, but I recognize your voice. Wow. That is a level that is, uh, that's next level. But it was so quick. Like it was, you recognize my voice. Like you've only heard my voice for like 47 minutes. Like, total. right. And that was like, I was like, oh, wow. And then, you know, it happened more often in the beginning. It really just feels like, you know, all it really feels like is that someone, you know, is see, like, like my friend from childhood is like, Sal. Yeah. Oh shit. And like, I have it's like, like Groundhog's day. Ned. Yeah. Like remember me? Like Ned I was, Ryerson? I, I, Ryerson. I worked with you at like, and you're like, Oh yeah. It feels like that. It just, just that it just keeps happening. Yeah. That's, you know what I mean? Like, absolutely. That's the exact way it feels. And that's sort of for, I mean, I guess we're a little bit more we must naturally be more extroverted as people. So I have no problem living the fantasy life either of just being like, hey, how you doing? All right. Like walking down the streets, as people say, shout your name. <laughs> it, it, there is something about it that, yeah, once you sort of realize that that can happen at any time, it is, you know, it's it's almost comforting in some ways that sometimes it's kind of nice to be like, oh, that's right. You know, it's nice to be able to make an impact on people's lives. And I know, especially for what you guys do, you guys have helped a lot of people who, and, and in, our, in our case as well, I think that you guys have probably reached a little bit more in this case, but you see a lot of people who might be sick a lot of people who are suffering. Uh, we had uh, some situ we, we we met somebody who was you know really near near the end who had cancer. We hung out with them and uh, we hung out with his two children and his beautiful wife. And in those moments are like holy hell, like so unbelievably powerful. So you have your sort of cordial like hey friend on the street, but then you also have that really intense side. Where this is somebody's, um, this is somebody's dying wish, really, to meet you, and you're like, it's so honoring and so humbling. We do make a wishes a lot, and uh, yeah. that's uh, the most unanticipated thing of this entire experience was how much weight. Uh, what you do, you end up realizing how much of it affects certain people in certain ways. And, uh, you know, you never realize these people, some people are going to reach out to you and they're down and out or they're sick or they lost someone or they have PTSD or they're traumatized or they're lonely. And we're filling a void or making them feel better. 
you never anticipate that it's unexpected and it, it brings the, a lot of weight. So yeah. then you, you think to yourself, Oh, I'm on channel 1 million. I'm making stupid jokes and it's silly nonsense and it's not important. Uh, and then you realize that, no, you know, if you reach enough people, it is important. It is important to people, you know? Yeah. So uh, not to sound like self-important because again, it goes against every instinct I have to think that what I'm doing is important. I don't, I mean, it's a form of entertainment. Yes. Yeah. Stand up, yes, you know, like you're having an experience with people, you know, like it's powerful to make someone laugh, but like not at that level. And yeah. and I it, and I always feel weird even talking about it because it I don't want to sound self-important, but right. the reality is is that we get many messages a day like this. And you know, you can't get to them all, and you can't you can't be a hero to everyone. So, Sal, I got to ask you, what makes the primo cancer patient? Because we got people on the chopping block. <laughs> I would assume you got to be like, yeah, they're sick, but they just lost a leg. What kind of combat did they see? Oh, they're in the Navy. Uh, we can't be treating all of them. Who are you cutting out of the pie? What person's dying of cancer there? Sal, not sick enough for Sal, the new spinoff show. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny, dude. It's so You're funny snubbing like, them. <laughs> you do, but you, you start to feel terrible. Because it's you know you can't it's just a it's just a, a leak leak you can't plug in a, you're yeah. getting communication you know from everyone all types of communication all day long and so you dip a toe in and you read some and then sometimes it's actually tough because you you want to respond to everyone who's reaching out in that way but it's physically impossible yeah. and then you if I leave one hanging that lingers inside me a little bit for you know the rest of that day and it's like you have to make peace with the fact that you you just can't you know, respond to everyone or do every, uh, you know, charity ask, or, right. you know, you want to, you, you do as many as you can, you know, of course. But, and it, and it makes you feel amazing. Like it, it, it's, it's, it's selfish too. It's like, I, you feel better, you know, but it is, it is wild because at some point you have to like, uh, you have to compartmentalize that yeah you know, so, you know, and that doesn't, yeah. And I, I know that's, that's such a hard thing to do because it doesn't make you, um, cold. It doesn't make you mean spirited. It, it it it's just a survival technique, because and we're all of us are going to go through all of those moments whenever whenever the uh, the the good Lord or whatever the entity might be decides to put us through that. So we're all gonna we're all going to experience that. But it is it's just hard for your own for your own sanity. You can't it, it just think about it too much. I've cried in many, many people's arms, like, cause we do, we, for years we did meet and greets. Yeah. And so sometimes when you're meeting people face to face and then they tell you the story, you're right oh, there. Man. It's not even like, and you know, what am I going to do? Like I said, I'm, I'm already kind of a guy with a heart, my heart on my sleeve yeah. and I, uh, I'm very present. And for someone to look you in the face and give you this story, man, like, uh, you know, like, I don't like, I'm just the type of guy that's I'm, I'm right there for it. So like, I will start weeping with them. Yeah. You know, like I know you just, you, you can't not almost, you know, so it's and like, you, and you also don't not want to, because once you start sure. deciding that it doesn't matter to you, then you become someone who sees, the audience as an other, which is why, like, I don't want to dump on people, but like Jerry Seinfeld, that show getting cars, getting a car with coffee, a coffee car or something like that, sure, going sure. to Dunkin' Donuts is what the show is called, <laughs> uh, yeah. in, in an old crappy car that he likes. Um, but you can see the way that he just talks, and I'm just using him as an example, but this is kind of, this is, uh, this, this, this kind of idea goes through the entertainment industry where he sees 
the audience as someone who is less than or sees waitstaff, and maybe I'm just uh, projecting on him. I don't know if that's true, but this is what I see. That he sees them as as someone who are like there to um, praise him, someone who is, they're not as smart as he is. And I've always said this, if comedians were the only ones alive, we wouldn't have freaking roads. We would not have one restaurant. We would maybe, maybe because you're actually able to run a restaurant, but we don't know how to do anything. <laughs> like if I see yeah. someone working construction, I'm like, that is so much more difficult than crafting a joke. That is so much more difficult than going on stage. You're like making me able to do that. Thank you. Right. So how do you like make sure to not go down that path? And is it just something that is comes from your, does it just come from the humble roots of Staten Island? Again, the Tenderloins was uh, the sketch group. Y'all performed in back rooms and bars and basements in freaking attics. I mean, you yeah. name it. When you're in New That's York right. trying to hustle, someone's like, I have a comedy show in my asshole. You'll be like, does it fit a mic stand? I'll bring my own, I'll bring my own uh, equipment. A million percent, man. We used to, I tell that story often. There's four of us. And sometimes we would have two people show up. We would do, if someone showed up, we did the show. So I've told this story before, but we've, there's plenty of times we've had two, four people come see it. So here's four people performing for two. It's kind of pretty comical. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, we're, and here we are paying for the space. So we would do shows and end up paying to do the show, you know, like. Do you but, think uh, that that experience kind of helped you so you don't see them as like, I don't know, as inferior? Every comedian's been there, you know. So, yeah, I mean, it would help all of us. I, I you know, I, I met Jerry once in 1995 and, um, and he was really kind to me. I, I just was a kid, and I, he was. It was the night of the of Seinfeld's hundredth uh, episode party. Oh they wow! Just, so they used to film it. I think I might get the day wrong, but I think they filmed it on Wednesdays, and then um, the, the actual show in front of the audience. And then every Wednesday they had a tradition in LA where they would go to Jerry's famous deli and eat. And um, just so happened I was in LA January '95 at the deli and. I was eating at Jerry's famous deli, unbeknownst to me. Didn't even know there was any, it's not his deli or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. That's the name. And then we walked in, there were these two sheet cakes that said, Congratulations, Seinfeld, on your 100th episode. I was already a major fan. I guess I just didn't realize. Well, no, it wasn't the 100 because they filmed it that night. It wasn't airing. Okay. So I was like, Oh my God. Like, I was like, What is this? And they go, Yeah, they come here every week after they tape and eat. And tonight, we, we actually have to ask you guys to leave soon because they, they bought out the place to have a party. Oh. And I was like, what? So I ran to the bookstore, bought his book sign language. Oh. And then then me and my friend, uh, my buddy Mike and my buddy Dom, we ran, went back to Jerry's Deli and we just waited outside. It was started to pouring rain. We just waited in the rain and he just pulled up in his car and got out. And actually, we missed him. I don't know how we were talking. And then a couple of minutes later, like we were out there like a half hour and it was raining. And we looked and he was inside. And we said there was a there was a guy. Uh, uh, what do you call those guys that park your cars? The valet. Valet is a valet guy outside. We're like, what? And he goes, yeah, you didn't see him. He pulled up in his Porsche, walked right past you, and went in. We we're like, we didn't even see him. So a little <laughs> while later, we couldn't believe this. So I was like, we have to stay until he leaves now. Oh, oh my, my god, what if this is? But luckily for us, he came out to smoke a cigar like a half hour later, and it was him and us two. And I just said, I'm such a big fan. He signed my book. He took a photo of us. He was oh. so kind. All right. Um, well, then forget every single no, thing I just said. Well, it was 26 years ago. He might be a real asshole. Now. <laughs> Jerry, if you're watching and we know you are, I'd love to come on comedians again. Oh, um, yeah. No, absolutely. No, 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 no. But I, I try to put myself because I don't you hear it. Right. So if you ask enough people, you'll hear about like every kind of story. 
because yeah. we're all human beings and I'm sure people get caught at certain times. That's what I try to remember that when yeah. someone comes up to me in that moment, this is their story of me. Yes, exactly. They may never see me again. And so that's the story they're going to tell to everyone forever. You know, so I try to think about that. And I, I, I do little tricks. Like if I'm having a rough day and someone comes up to me, I make believe I'm like, what if this was your dad going up to a someone that he knew and they were like short or mean to him. I would be heartbroken for my dad. Yeah, exactly. So I just make believe like, maybe this is like your dad, you know, like, yeah. Just stuff like that. Depending but, um, on your father, that might work as a technique. <laughs> yeah, depending on your where dad. Where were you? I'm just here. I want to get an autograph. I'm, where were you my whole life? Now you want an autograph. Of course you do. You want some money too, dad. My exactly. name is Brian. I'm a fan. <laughs> yeah. I, did, I try to put myself in Jerry's shoes because look at that guy. He's like um, almost like a Michael Jordan type, right? Yeah. Possibly one of the most famous people in the history of our planet. Yeah, maybe. I suppose so. I mean, All he's right. up there. He's, he's maybe top. You know, you want to talk about world leaders or rock stars. I mean, as far as comedians, go, I mean, he's got to be in the top few hundred. Jerry Seinfeld is the Kim Jong-un of comedians. <laughs> I've said it before and I'll say it again. I believe it. The man is the yeah. dictator of comedy. Did you know that Delaware has endless discoveries? The first state invites you to explore miles of beaches and boardwalks, dozens of unique breweries, award-winning restaurants, some of the country's best state parks, beautiful garden estates, and even tax-free shopping. There's plenty of fun for the entire family and more. Find trip ideas and all the info you need to plan your Delaware discoveries at visitdelaware.com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Well, speaking of idols, I would be remiss if I did not mention how, first of all, I'm angry with you. I hate you. I'm super mad about your life. I wish I could be you solely because you got to meet Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh, and yes. you were on the Stone Cold Steve Austin show. You guys like, first of all, you beat him. Number one, which is freaking dope. You I beat him at the competition, that. which I was awesome. I tease about that all the time. It was <laughs> awesome. What was that experience life like? Please tell me in slow motion in as much detail as possible because I'm living vicariously through you. I was like, Sal, you bastard. Yeah. Get stunned for me. I would take a stutter and a freaking heartbeat. Yeah, we were talking before about you know who you want to – if you want to meet your heroes or not or what have you. And uh, – Somebody reached out to me to do that show and I made them triple check that that was a serious request because yeah. I was like, wait, they, he asked for me. And he's like, yeah, like, you know, and I was like, ah, like, that I, is, I, oh, so he, so they reached out to you. They reached and out. Like, Stone Cold wants to hang out with Sal. Oh my God. Yeah. We had asked him. Okay. <laughs> so I'm like, um, you know, I'm only just back in like the last five or six years, really back into wrestling. I was as Same. a kid. But, you know, I, I, I started going to shows. They start seeing my face and I become a known fan. And and then I start to meet the wrestlers and, you know, they know the show and I'm going backstage. And here I am now becoming friends, like genuine friends with like dozens of wrestlers. Oh. If you told my childhood Sal this, Dude, I would yeah. think that's not true. And, you know, that's that phenomenon where even if these people, some of these wrestlers are like 24, but they're 
you still you stuck in where you saw how you watch. So like with, even with sports, like they could be like if you're a fan of the Yankees, and then this is you know the new this new kid, he's 22 years old, but you see him, yep. and I could be 40, and I feel like he's the adult. I'm just like, oh my Absolutely. god! Absolutely. So it's that same phenomenon, and I find myself in this world, and you know, you just realize everybody's people, everyone's same. You know, we're just people, and they're the same hustle, and they're doing the same thing with the same dreams, and. You, you meet assholes, but you, so, so anyway, it got back. It got back. I guess that I'm a fan and we had asked him to do a bit in the impractical jokers movie and he wasn't available to do it. Oh. You, we wanted throughout the movie to have a running joke where you hear glass break Yeah, and at, at any given moment when did that it, glass did broke, did it, did it, did it. he came out and stunned Murray. <laughs> Dude. Oh my God. I love it. So I would, that, uh, that is such a perfect <laughs> Four friends from Staten Island fever dream of a wish yes, also. Yes. Like I just, because anytime I hear glass break, I don't even like, it's just like, oh, Stone Cold, where is he at? It's like, yeah. no, there was a car accident actually. <laughs> I'm just like, let's just start kicking ass. So, um, yeah. so because so, Murray doesn't watch. So it, it was even funnier to us. Like, who is this man that keeps oh. chasing me? the crap out of me that's hilarious um, and of course Murray's a little bit of the more i guess he's a little bit more buttoned up i know that as a for sure yeah he's yeah. a great guy so yeah yeah, yeah. so we thought he was he wasn't available and I, I guess maybe i don't know if he knew of the show or didn't or that clued him into it but apparently they told me that he was familiar with the show appreciated it and that was enough for me i actually was in production couldn't even do it and i moved heaven and earth to take a red eye to la at the end of a filming day take one day off shoot with him and the same exact day take the red eye back home oh so the, the plane landed so i left set to get on the plane and then i flew back and landed and went right to set wow just so you were in like it. so by the time the dust settled like five days later you must have sort of reflected back and been like that's right I had that day with Stone Cold. It felt like a fever dream. What and, was and, and what what was that? Because I just have to nerd out with now. I just have to be a nerd. What was it like? What did he smell like? Um, yeah. What was what was the? Because um, with Stone Cold, I really I love interviewers. I love um, orders, and I I think he's one of the best interviewers today. I really do. The break the Broken Skull sessions and his podcast. He's and, so honest and direct. He's so good, and he has so much insight and. He were you able to? And, were you able to? Was he able to sort of? I don't. I just feel like whatever words, almost like if COVID was knowledge, I want it to be sprayed all over me. As Stone Cold <laughs> speaks, was there anything that you picked up on, whether he said it or whether he was just sort of being it, where you're like, that is really indicative to why he was able to be so successful, despite yes. the fact. That he wasn't supposed to be. He was the Hollywood blonde. He was the dude yeah. who was the ringmaster. No one expected him to take off. And then, boom, it happens because of pure will. Pure will. And and we talked about that. We had even greater conversation offline. So so I, I filmed with him for like eight to ten hours. Okay. And, you know, you saw 23 minutes of it. You know, right, right. and, um, you know, we had proper lunch too. And me and him sat alone together for like a 90 minute lunch oh my and God. had the best conversation. I asked every question. I, he was so generous, but he asked just as many questions of me. Yeah. I tell you, man, I don't want to oversell it, but I think it's impossible. He was the coolest, nicest dude in the world. Yeah. He made me feel so comfortable. So the way they did it was they didn't want me to meet him. Uh, they wanted me to meet him on camera. Okay. So, so 
when you see it in the episode, that is when I'm meeting him for the first time. Well, it, it, if you haven't seen the episode, uh, so Sal comes out as every, like you, you became, you. it was like the movie Big, like your outfit became far too large for you. You shrunk into an 11 year old boy. You were like, I can't believe I'm meeting Stone Cold. And, and Steve was so nice. He's like, nice to meet you. Let's get this done. You're like, let's do it. So that reaction was 100% authentic to how you were feeling a hundred and so he pulled up in a jeep and i got in it and he's like all right how you doing we're gonna and i'm like oh this is amazing yeah thank you i can't believe i'm you asked me to be here whatever blah, blah, blah. so we taped the first like couple of minutes talking they just yell cut for a second now this was the okay so they filmed the pilot mm -hmm. and then there was months and months and months and months after the pilot and so this was the first the show got picked up and i was the first episode being taped after the pilot, which okay. was kind of like, they didn't know if it was going to go or not. So after it went, I think they kind of like really buckled down and said, what is the show going to be? What could these segments be? Who are the guests? And so it was his first day, first moment back filming with oh. me that moment as well. So they, well, they and said, honestly, Sal, that's a testament to you because they know you've been on camera so much. They know uh, obviously, Stone Cold can carry um, a conversation and, and a show. Sure. He's, he's one of the greatest of all time. But that's a testament to them trusting you also because they knew that you were going to give good content. They knew that you were going to be able to do it because they knew that you were so comfortable in that world. So that's that's a compliment well, that's to you. That's nice of you to say. I Absolutely. They, they, didn't freaking, they, they, didn't, they didn't book Azealia Banks. You know, they didn't, <laughs> they, there's like a reason. They didn't want to make an Nganga. You know, like there, there's an, a reason. There is a reason they chose you, and that's because they knew that you were going to be able to make sure this episode was seamless. That's a massive compliment. Well, th that is very nice of you to say. Uh, if it was that way, then I feel very humbled by that. But, but um, it is funny because this is how cool he was, okay? As soon as they yelled cut, and, and I had only been in the Jeep for like a couple of minutes, and they yelled cut, and I just kept talking, you know, because yeah. they have to come adjust cameras. There's a sound, blah, blah. all the things they're doing, we're just sitting in the Jeep. Yeah. And I just was like, first of all, I can't even believe you know and like the show. And he was like, I know it. He started quoting. He knew it. He did his research, and he said, I like it. But then he was also just like – He's like, just told me like, don't even feel that way. I feel the same way. I'm a fan of the show. It's like having to meet you. And then he was also like, I'll tell you right now too. Like we haven't filmed in six, whatever it was months. And I haven't done my show prior to that. For he's like, whatever he goes. So I'm feel crazy rusty. And I'm, I'm even a little nervous myself right now. Like he even, yeah. he was generous enough to let me in and tell me that to which, so it was very disarming. Yeah. And I, I just, and then we just were like, Oh, like if you feel that way too, Okay, then let's do this together. It, it just it just made it like immediately cool that he was like, "I'm a fan. I'm rusty. I'm nervous. Like right. let's let's just you know." And then um, and then we had this eight hour day together. Well, I don't know. I gotta believe that it was real because we've stayed friends and we talk to this day. Wow. And and you know we'll text and I he you know what you do? You just put people on a pedestal and then of you course. forget that we're all the same freaking exact. And I got a glimpse at least into, you know, the real Steve Austin. And it's like, he's just a normal, fun, nice guy. Yeah. And then that's mind blowing. Cause you're like, Oh, I'm talking to him about the weather. Like, it's just like, it's just crazy. Yeah. And, um, I that just is like so freaking awesome, dream man. day. It was a dream day because he kept telling me like, cause I kept joking. Like, I would, I was all over it. At that point, I was like, I'm going to do, I want to do the best job possible. Yeah. So you're going to give and, them everything to work with and cut all the shit out. But hopefully you found something gold in there. 
and, and there was a lot of moving parts, like driving in that Jeep became an amphibious vehicle that I didn't know that was going to happen. That was incredible when it starts. <laughs> so if you have not seen that episode, I mean, I guess you can't really do spoilers. It's just a great time. Yeah. Just watch it. They're yeah. driving. And all of a sudden, the Jeep goes in the water and Sal's face. Dude, you looked like it wasn't like you were about to shit yourself. It was like you could never shit again. Like that was the, you were like, what? Well, I thought we were going to die. So he's driving a Jeep <laughs> and then he just whips off the road onto yeah. the beach, onto the beach and toward the water and then hits the gas. Oh my and, God. And I, I thought, you know what I thought? I thought he was having a stroke or something. And, and like, I thought he was, <laughs> I, and I was like, oh, the final moments of Stone Cold Steve Austin. He died with Sal from the practical <laughs> yeah. jokers. What? And he just, I was making him laugh. Like he was when you, you know what it's like to, you know, you know, we make an audience laugh and then they, and then you take and you run with that. And then yeah. you go on, they say, and like, I was doing it with him. I was like, you know, joking with him and he'd laugh. And then I, I lean into it and he'd laugh. And I'm like, wait, I'm making him genuine laugh. And then it just felt like we, oh, we became man. fast friends. We, it was genuine. We hit it off. Then every time the cameras went down, we did not, we had like eight to nine hour conversation that day. And by the end of it, we were talking about our family life and just keeping in touch. That's and, awesome. And um, and and I remember when I left, uh, he he sent me so many gifts to my house to now. And I I, I sent him as a gift being on. I sent him these steaks that I really love. Yeah. And um, I was like, these are my favorite steaks. Oh, what's the name of the steaks? Um, they're they're from Lobel's. It's a it's a it's a butcher shop, an old butcher shop in New York City. Oh, all right, Lobel's. They're pretty steaks. popular because I think they actually since the new Yankee Stadium, I think they might even have a. A brick and mortar. Oh, all right. But 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 prior to that, nothing, like they, nothing they, says the Yankees more than the audience, more than the fan base sitting there eating steaks, <laughs> eating steaks. Classic <laughs> Yankees. The Mets. The Mets are lucky to get a bowl full of dead flies, and the Yankees fans are eating primo steaks. Yeah, man. It, well, they've been a butcher shop in New York since like the '60s or something, and someone gave it gave it to me as a gift. Um, and then I was like, this is this is the best thing I've ever had. So I sent it to him knowing he like hoping and knowing like oh perfect gift for him. Yeah. And like, you know, I'm a little nervous. I didn't even tell him. I just asked for it and I sent him. <laughs> and then um just like a week later, I get a text and it's a picture of a, a plate with a cooked steak on it. All right. And he got that it, dude. and then he sent me two photos, the full steak and just the bone left. <laughs> And this is how that's cool the sweetest he is. thing ever, man. How cool he is is it was in a it was in a paper like a Dixie plate like a paper plate. Oh, it's just funny. Man. It's like Stone Cold is cooking a steak and he has it on a paper plate. International even, superstar Stone yeah, Cold. Yeah, he Steve even made Austin. fun of it. He, he was like, "Notice, like you know, I'm cooking on a no, I'm not fancy. It's on a Dixie plate." And I was just like, "This guy is just the freaking best." <laughs> then oh, what he did man. for me too. He there was a Raw that they brought him back on that I went to see live. Was that Raw twenty fifth? At Barclays, I, yeah, yeah, I was yeah, yeah. at the Barclays one, and that was when he stu when he stunned Vince. Yeah, I, I'm pretty positive. Wait, was it? It uh, was Raw 25. It was at the two locations: one Barclays, and then one at the OG. Place this in Manhattan. was like uh, this was like mm, a year and a half ago, a year ago. Yeah, I think that might check out. Anyway, yeah, well, I don't know he. he uh, I, I, I gotta be. I think it was a big raw. I think okay. it was. A, yeah, uh, I can't yeah. remember. It doesn't matter. Maybe one of their but legends my, my point, or something. He, you know that. Yeah. But afterwards, he um, they just cut air. Right. They yeah. just cut air, and uh, he was on stage, and he did the and people were going nuts, and there were other people out there, and then he grabs the mic, and we just got off air, and he goes, he knew I. I, I texted him. I'm like, I'm here. 
So he's like, all right, look, just pay attention. Look for me in a little while. I'm coming back out. No one's supposed to know. So he came, he surprised everyone, came back out again and everyone went nuts. And then they, he's out there and the air cuts. And then he just grabs my and goes, where's my buddy Sal Volcano? Oh my God. I'm so mad at you because (laughs) I want to be you. It was, it was off air for like 10 seconds. And then my cue or someone turns to me and he goes, he's, he's asking you. And I'm like, what? Oh my God. I make my way to the front. And I'm like, yo, I'm right. Everyone's like, he's right. And I'm like, great. And then he just gets off stage, comes down, walks right up to me, says, throw me beers. They throw him two. He hands me, throws two more. He hands me, opens them in front of the whole place. He's like, this is my boy. Sally's the best. He's like, hell yeah. And then we just, and we just do it in front of everyone. I was like, oh my God. Like he's so, he didn't have to do that for me. I have, and so so I've done it with him twice. I have four beer cans, crushed beer cans. And they're literally, hold on. Hold on. Yes, I have to see these crushed beer cans. Sal is standing up here. He's going to show me uh, what the the remnants of a Stone Cold Steve Austin meetup looks like. Oh, my God. They're the Broken Skull, the Stone Cold IPAs, beautifully crushed. These are the ones I crushed and drank. (laughs) Oh, dude, that is so awesome. Never lose those. Sal's holding up all four beers. They're all empty. How was the beer, by the way? It's actually delicious. He's great. He sent me a case I have in the house. Oh, that's <laughs> I, awesome. I drink it. Yeah, he's he it was just like it's so funny that I like, but this means everything. Dude. You know? It's like it's like on like my shelf next to like 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 priceless, like a priceless antique. Fucking Emmy, <laughs> fucking Oscar. Screw everything. You got four <laughs> beers. You got four beer cans you smashed with Stone Cold. That's the biggest prize in all of entertainment, in all of the world, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, that is man. awesome. Well, Sal, thank you so much for being here. I did want to ask you what was like the most embarrassing or craziest thing you ever did have to do on camera, but we didn't really get there unless you have, you, what do you do? What was, what was one thing that you did on camera that you're like, I'm never doing that again. And I'm uh, extremely pissed and I hate you all. And uh, we're going to cancel the show because you know what, at the end of the day, I can't gape like that anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, I, one of the ones I, I particularly hated was they, threw me out they made me jump out of a helicopter over a, a freezing lake in december mm. and um i mean the helicopter was hovering like maybe Nightmare. 50 feet in the air yeah uh, i don't like heights i, I never had oh, flown I on a it. helicopter prior to that either and they were like swinging the helicopter around and getting me all scared and then they said you have to jump out which i didn't know and it oh, was oh my december, god it was december 2nd i think the f- lake was freezing i jumped out i had equipment on me to tape me and the equipment all like fell and wrapped around me and started bringing me under the, I couldn't get back up over the water. Jesus. And I was in the middle of the lake and they had one, uh, one guy there to rescue me if things went wrong. And he was in a kayak on land. <laughs> and, and then he caught the kayak to me, but I was, I was, Oh my, you're using your every dogs. ounce, every single ounce of strength that I could to keep my mount above water. Uh, it was a sensation, a near death sensation I had. Oh my. And God. I, I wanted them to know, I was underwater, just barely getting my mouth above it. And I wanted them to know how serious I was. I wanted them to know that I had, I was going to drown, but I couldn't yell more than one word because I kept going under and coming back up. Right. So I just screamed at the top of my lungs, help, help. That's all I could keep screaming when I got back up, help. And I would go back down again, dude. And here I see this guy like going like Slowly this. Slowly like, rowing. And then I didn't realize that my hands were going to start to numb and immediately they started to numb because it was freezing yeah 
it was a terrible uh, idea. And then uh, they had to get me into an ambulance and put those like those like tinfoil blankets on yeah. me and, and stuff. And uh, yeah, I was like, man, I wish I had never did that. I, I, I was <laughs> like, that was that sucked. But uh, yeah, that that makes sense. I think my first thoughts would be like, could have done without that. Definitely did yeah. not need to do that. Well, Sal, thank you so much for putting your life on the line for our entertainment. Years yeah, and years and years. <laughs> the Tenderloin Sketch Group have become the Impractical Jokers. Uh, check out the movies. Check out the game show. Uh, check out the, the OG index. show, the Misery Index. Yeah. It's after, Actually, the, the Misery Index podcast. is awesome, by the way. The podcast. I know, Sal, you're also super into, you're into wrestling. You're into like, I know Q is really into UFOs and all that yeah, kind man. of fun stuff. So, yeah, I, I guess, I guess, I don't know. Well, the podcasts are called Hey Babe and Taste Buds. And they're really funny. They're only seven weeks in, so you get in on the ground floor. But we put them up uh, wherever you get audio. And then the video is on YouTube, uh, no, the No Press Network on, on YouTube. Hell yeah. Sal Volcano. Check out everything that he does. It is <laughs> wonderful. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the LPN Show. We hope you're doing as well as you can be out there. We're going to get through all of this stuff together in the second half of 2021. We're going to have a freaking blast. Not one day of no fun every day to a point where it's not fun because now it's mandatory. We are having fun the second half of 2021 every day. Hail yourselves, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Did you know that Delaware has endless discoveries? The first state invites you to explore miles of beaches and boardwalks, dozens of unique breweries, award-winning restaurants, some of the country's best state parks, beautiful garden estates, and even tax-free shopping. There's plenty of fun for the entire family and more. Find trip ideas and all the info you need to plan your Delaware discoveries at visitdelaware.com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.